Hello, Texas fans, and welcome to episode 10 of the Horns Dugout, also known as the Horns Illustrated Podcast. As always, I'm Riley Zayas, one of the writers for HornsIllustrated.com, and your host on the podcast today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have really an action-packed uh, episode for you today, primarily covering football, um, the upcoming season opener against UTEP, and everything in between. Uh, but anyway, I want to start off by thanking some of our sponsors who help Horns Illustrated give you the coverage on the Longhorns you want, such as Fanatics, ESPN Plus, and Gotsman Real Estate and High Park Schools turned Panthers into Longhorns. High Park fans, High Park, a special former High Park athlete, was recently featured in our first edition of the Digital Magazine which just launched, so check it out uh, to see who that special athlete was. I'll give you a hint. It's a current UT football player, uh, so I should narrow it down for you. And visit hornsillustrated.com backslash sponsors for more. We're also on all things social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, so make sure to check us out on all of those platforms. And uh, in addition to that, we want to hear from you. Get your feedback, topics you think we should discuss, people we should interview, uh, let us know, and also make sure to go to hornsillustrated.com for the latest takes on Longhorns. All of our podcasts are on there. What else is there to read about on hornsillustrated.com? Well, I recently highlighted the special bond uh, between Texas head coach Tom Herman and UTEP's running backs coach, Barrett Neely, ahead of the season opener this Saturday. I also previewed the upcoming season for the Texas soccer team, which opens their season tomorrow against Kansas. Both should go up tonight or tomorrow morning, and Steve Habel will preview Texas's game against UTEP this Saturday and also do an in-depth recap following Saturday's, fi- Saturday's game with five questions uh, about the game and everything that unfolded. Steve Lansdale recently wrote about Texas basketball's latest coaching hire, KT Turner. So if you get a chance, make sure to go over to hornsillstrade.com uh, and check all those articles out as well as all of our podcasts. And we got um, Luke Ward unable to make it today, but Sean Clinch, you've seen his work uh, with KVU. You've seen uh, the stories inside the Man Cave podcast. He is <laughs> on with us today. Uh, and, Sean, how's everything going for you? You know what? Other than the storms, I don't care if it storms. As long as it doesn't do it on Saturday because we have game week and there's a new vibe in the air, and I think everybody needs the infusion of positivity from college football. Exactly. We can we can finally say it's game week. We've been waiting to say it's that game for, week, baby. for such a long time, man. I it's been uh it's been kind of ups and downs. We weren't even sure if we would be at this point with the way things were going, but but finally we're here. UTEP on Saturday, and uh, we'll finally get a chance to see Texas football in action. Yeah, it's 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 it almost feels like I know the last time Texas played. And, you know, obviously the Alamo Bowl on San Antonio almost a year ago. And then we saw the 14 playoff. But it feels like because of what we've been through, it feels like it's been two or three or four years since we've – because of the anticipation, the unknowns, the transfer portal, people opting out, all this drama we've been through this year. So people need to embrace the fact that it's happening. Yeah. Sean, you've been in uh, sports media business for a long time. The amount of sports news we've had in the past six and a half months is equivalent to that of a a couple of years sometimes with the big headlines that we've had going on from the NCAA canceling March Madness, which 
most of us didn't even think was a possibility uh, to now, you know, we're seeing all these different things coming into play this fall, programs not playing, uh, but the Big 12 is, and uh, we're definitely glad about that. I'm still, because I'm a big SFA guy, and I thought basketball, that really hurt, and I'm still heartbroken over that NCAA tournament cancellation. You know, I feel for, I mean, everybody gets into that, you know, but it was just heartbreaking for a lot of, obviously, the the kids, the student-athletes, fans, everybody involved. That was like, almost like a, you you wanted to wake up one day, all right, that was just a bad dream. But, again, game day has arrived for college football, and let's hope that nothing changes that between now and Saturday. Sam Ellinger told the media on uh, Tuesday, I believe, saying, I uh, just keep, I've continued to keep my fingers crossed all the way up until Saturday, just hoping we can get to Saturday. And speaking of SFA, uh, UTEP, Texas' opponent this Saturday, won its season opener 24-14 uh, last week over the Lumberjacks. And then they, they like to run the run-pass option. They're a pretty solid team. They look better than they were last year when they had a 1-11 record. I don't know how, how long they'll be able to hang with Texas on Saturday, but uh, they'll definitely give – give the newcomers a little bit of a challenge and a new taste of the college level. You know, not being a homer to mama mater, but I will say the key, and you can tell UTEP's building under Coach Timmel. They're building a program, and he he has a five-year plan from what I understand. But you can tell that uh, they are growing. But I will say this, just from standing back and evaluating it all, you know, Stephen F. jumped on them early. And 14 to 3, they just couldn't put them away. But I will say, UTEP has a great receiver. He's a quarterback and a, one of the running backs. He's a power back. He's from El Paso. And he is a stud in the fact of how physical he is. But only winning by 10. And I'm just going to throw this out there. Once Texas settles down, Ellinger gets into a rhythm. I honestly think Texas hangs a 70 spot on UTEP this weekend. I really do. I mean, no, they'll probably hit anywhere from 50 to 60, but it wouldn't shock me if Texas wins like 73 to 10. The amount of talent they have, uh, they can certainly do that. And you think, you know, a lot of people, you know, say, you know, coaches will use their freshman players in the game. But but the amount of uh, talent Texas's recruiting class has, five-star Running back B. John Robinson, some guys on the offensive line. Uh, you gotta think that this team could be the the the, map, the freshmen that they have. Man, they they have a strong capability uh, to be able to hang a seventy spot on UTEP. <laughs> well, here's what's here's what's interesting that that I, I'm not sure. I mean, a lot of people are aware of this, but Tom Herman can't unload his entire roster and not worry about okay. That's going to log on an individual's redshirt time. They don't have to worry about that this year. Nope. It's like a free pass. You know, so he can unload at any point in that game and put whomever he wants, you know, if the individual is not concerned about getting injured or anything like that. But, you know, if you put the young ones in early, you have to expect it probably won't hit 70, you know, but. I am so curious to see what Bijan Robinson looks like in person. All I've seen is video. The kid's legit from Arizona. Um, he could have gone anywhere in America. I mean, he's. I mean, I, I hear it all the time. 
a lot of people say, well, that individual's a Sunday type player. You know, these, he, he has that potential. I just don't want to put that on a person yet because I've seen too many players plateau out in college and they end up being a late round draft choice or not drafted at all. But Bijan's special. I, I will, I'm going to go ahead and admit that. Is he the freshman you're looking forward to watching most? Yeah, uh, I would say so. Uh, I can't really – I really want to see Overshone on defense. I know he's not a freshman. I, I just want to see his development into, you know, the linebacker and, of course, not another not freshman, the graduate transfer. I believe he's going to – Terry Black from Michigan. Yeah. Uh, I want to see what that looks like. I've never seen anyone wear zero on their jersey number four. So that that's going to have a different look and see what the, that that is a physical specimen. Yeah, he uh, man, he was solid at Michigan. He and Dalvin Peoples Jones came in together as freshmen, and Block suffered some injuries early, uh, which which kept him out a little bit. But found time uh, on the field for three seasons at Michigan. And obviously we know the caliber of play Michigan has and the teams they play in. So, uh, you know, Big 12 competition certainly uh, will not be too much of a change for Tariq Black. He should fit right in. He's actually scheduled to start on Saturday. Uh, Tom Hearn released the depth chart on Monday, and uh, he's scheduled to start. So looking forward to what he's going to do on the 40 acres. You know, you you speak of of the depth chart, I you know uh, I was not shocked, but I was I thought that Roshan Johnson was going to be the number one back, and I'm a Keontae Ingram fan. I uh, great guy, great kid, uh, tremendous talent. But I, I, it was kind of shocking to me that Rojo was not the uh, number one running back. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I think Keontae Ingram has really separated himself as a power back. Uh, we know he can catch passes out of the backfield, which will fit with Mike Yurkic's kind of offensive approach, running the run-pass option. You need a running back in there that can catch passes out of the backfield. But here's something with Roshan Johnson that I like. He's a former quarterback, right? So think about the things you can do with a, a running back like that. You have the hook and ladder. Uh, strong possibility for you right there because we know his arm strength. We saw it coming in. He was actually a backup quarterback for the first couple of weeks uh, last season and then was transferred to running back. And you think about his team-first attitude, too, and the fact that Tom Herman came to him and told him, you know, we need some more depth at the running back position. And uh, he said, I can do it, Coach. Filled in uh, very, very well last year. I mean, it looked like he had been a running back for his whole career, not just for the past couple of weeks. Uh, He added, again, you need a guy like Keontae. You need, I think if you look back at the history, successful teams have three running backs who give you three different dimensions, styles of run, running ability. But Rojo, electrifying, high energy. They say he's a, a practice guy. and But on the field, it just looks like he's always on a different gear, leaping over people, yeah. cut on a dime. That, that zero to – I like to call that zero to 60 type speed. It's just stop, go, stop, go, and his vision's unbelievable. Unbelievable for him to get to one spot, see a lane or a hole, and go. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 uh, that's, he's one of those guys that just has that God-given talent on the gridiron. I mean, 
you think for a lot of people to try to switch to to a running back position, even if you'd you know had played some at that position before, which which Rojo hadn't, uh, to be able to switch on a dime like that. Uh, to say, you know, I, I can play running back position, I can play it well. He was, in, in many cases, the number two back last year, right behind Ingram. And, uh, you know, you, as you, Sean, you mentioned off air, a good team typically needs four running backs. So uh, Texas will definitely have that this year, bringing in Gabriel Watson uh, from the University of Sioux Falls, a D2 school. That's uh, – and you were talking – you and I talking about it. I think a lot of people reacted – the same as you and I were talking about him before we started this podcast. His story, I mean, you think about a guy who, if a lot of people aren't aware, he, he's going from high-level D2, going up past the FCS level to an elite-level program at, in Texas. And I think he was uh, was the award winner or a candidate for the Division II. Was Harlan Hill? Uh-huh. Or, I believe so, yeah. Did he win it or was he a candidate? I believe he was a candidate uh, for that award. And obviously uh, had a had a good kind of uh, resume heading into that, you know, after that 2018 season, led the D2 in rushing yards. And I think he, uh, he led the D2 in rushing touchdowns. I believe he was number two in rushing yards. Uh, so that that definitely tells you how good he is because D two has some really really good players. Yeah, they are. You know, my first job at a college was in San Angelo, Texas, covered Angelo State back then. The Lone Star Conference, um, Angelo State, was West Texas A and M, Texas A and M Commerce, A uh, and M Kingsville. All those programs, especially Kingsville and West Texas A and M, and sometimes Angelo produced NFL caliber players. It was unreal. I think their scholarship limits are 37, but they would have some guys who were elite and it was good football. I mean, it was really good football to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, I mean, I'm sure several people here in the Austin area are familiar with the university of Maryland Baylor, which has won several D three national titles, uh, two currently and been to three national championship games Pretty new program, and the, the guys they bring in there, they recently brought in a player from who used to play at Texas A&M. And so you think these D2 and D3 may not get the kind of uh, coverage they maybe they deserve, but they definitely have the talent there. And a note on Gabriel Watson uh, was a finalist for the Harlan Hill, uh, but also won several different uh, awards up there with the University of Sioux Falls on All-American honors as well. It's, it's tell. I mean, what you told me, I did not. I was not aware of that story. That he actually started at a much lower division, but but brought the human element to it. You said that, and I, I can't believe I didn't know about this. But he played a division three. Is that right? Division three. Yeah, coming out of high school, and dropped out to pay for. Student debt, student yeah, payoff debt, and then uh, found went back to the gridiron with a JUCO school. So and transfer to Sioux Falls. Yeah, and then now unbelievable. We we find him here in Austin on the forty acres, looking for some for a chance. And he his eyes are focused on the NFL draft, is what he's been saying. Uh, so as far as outlets reporting now, there at Sioux Falls, uh, kind of happened over the course of COVID because you know he was playing on heading back and. 
I'm sure the opportunity with Texas came up, the opportunity to, to play for a D1 program. I'm not sure how many people would decline the offer to play for such a, a program with the accolades and the national championships as Texas. Right, exactly. No, but if, if you look at the big picture of it all, that guy is a story of a life and how if you really want something, it, you can't worry about the journey. Just follow that journey, roll with it, accept some adversity along the way, but maintain that focus. I mean, unreal. I mean, I love stories like that. Yeah. It's inspiring, to be honest with you. Oh, um, they they just make you wanna wanna work even harder. I mean, you oh think you think about you know Gabriel Watson and uh, you know he might come in. He's from a D two school. Some people are saying, oh well, he you know he hasn't played at the D one level. How will he compare? But you gotta think for a guy with the mindset like he has, those intangibles are what's going to separate him uh, on the practice field and and ultimately getting playing time. I'm sure because building on those life experiences just grows your work ethic and, and your, your ability to say, you know, this is my goal and this is how I'm going to accomplish it. You know, I, I, I have a feeling, cause I, I think, it's, you know, there are, every year there are fan favorites. Um, I know two years ago, Trey Watson, everybody loved Trey, loved Trey Watson. Uh, but when this guy goes in, I have a feeling whenever he comes in, because I think he'll probably be a third down back possibly or short yardage guy and maybe near the goal line possibly. Um, I think by the end of the season, he'll have some kind of – when he goes in, people are going to – some kind of cheer. People (laughs) are going to be going crazy over him because I have a feeling he'll be a short yardage touchdown kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. The guy who they bring in there on those those goal line situations, and uh, those are some of the best. Texas won the best teams in the country last year at doing that, uh, and it's just because of Ellinger's running ability, number one, and then then the running backs that they have, and uh, guys like Watson power their way through offensive line, obviously leading the way. Got to give credit to those guys too on the line. Hey, you, you know, you just said that's funny you say that, but I'm kind of playing off things you say. You mentioned the line. Sam Cosme, that's another good story. Yeah. That guy's an NFL talent right now, and he was, what, a two- or three-star coming out of high school? You know, I, and, I, and I'm not insulting my friend, our friends in the media who are, that's their profession to, you know, evaluate talent. It's just development. Yeah. You know, there's always – these kids are assigned certain stars, so there's this perception. But Cosme is a guy that – he has some ability, and he has a tremendous work ethic. And I'm going to watch him and that offensive line probably more so than I ever have any other year. Well, and you got to think, you know, Zach Shackelford was the guy on the offensive line. I had the chance to talk with him last year in depth, and you know, it, it was it was evident why he was a leader, uh, both on and off the field. Great in the classroom, uh, you know, very encouraging guy. To, to the rest of the offensive line, a guy who helped some of the younger players. And, and this year it's going to be Sam Cosme because he's one of the oldest players on the offensive line. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's got to show some of these newcomers like Jake Majors the ropes as they get, you know, put into put into games with only a few weeks of practice under their belt. Can you – that's what I think a lot of people, people want the season so badly that – 
you, I think all of us, including ourselves here, the two of us, I think we need to prepare ourselves. There's going to be some sloppiness in games that I'm not saying just awful execution, but just because there's been less preparation mm-hmm. than most, because I think the last time Texas got together on the field, coaching was uh, the last practice before the Alamo Bowl. I think that's accurate. So yeah. when they started August camp, that was the first time they had really practiced because I think it wiped out spring. Oh, spring uh, camp completely, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's you, You'll probably see some acclimation type downs where there's going to be maybe some execution or missed blocks. You know, I think it's more so on the offensive line. Once they get the rhythm, they'll get it. Yeah, yeah, they. they it's just going to take some time. They'll pick up on it. They'll pick up on it quick. And those guys are are talented. They they know what they need to do. And uh, you know, Jake Majors is a guy who I also talked with last year. And as he was coming in, uh, you know, he he was at the Under Armour All American Games where he actually was injured, had to undergo surgery, and was going to miss the first few weeks of spring practice. But he got to work out. Uh, at the center position, he's a guy who who could take over at the center position for Shackelford, and uh, he, you know he was talking about how playing against guys who are head to Clemson, Alabama, they have the talent on the offensive line. All these guys, uh, so I th- I, th- I think it'll just be a matter of time, like you say, getting into that rhythm. And Texas will be in a little bit of a different situation uh, than some of these other programs in the sense that they have two new coordinators coming in both on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. So that could be another uh, kind of variable for Texas this season. You know, it is. And and I've not seen that type of turnover anywhere before, you know, especially, you know, I've seen turnover on one side of the ball before. Uh, Just this, it was just, it just happened so fast. I mean, because let's face it, uh, seven and five, you can't, can't continue to do that in Texas, but here's the thing about last year, that, and it's not an excuse. A lot of people said, oh, it's horrible, horrible coach, horrible, horribly coached team, but they lost, They had injuries concentrated, especially in the secondary. Yep. And early on, you know, after the LSU, and during the LSU game, I think, um, I just think that they just had a lot of youth, and I think some of it may have been the scheme you know, and it's just there wasn't a good rhythm on that team. Were they talented? Yes. Were they prepared uh, for the losing that kind of depth? Probably not. But I think this year they could – we're looking at eight or nine wins team. Yeah. I, I My projected record is eight and two. The Big 12 is going to be a solid conference this year. But, yeah, I agree with you uh, on that. And, and the thing is, too, when you have some of these, you know, coordinators come in, right, they don't have, in the case of Mike Eric and uh, Chris Ash, a whole lot of time to work with these guys because, you know, they've obviously been working through Zoom and stuff, but, but it's not the same as being in person. The one thing I will note, though, is Chris Ash uh, let go by Rutgers in the middle of the season last year as the head coach. Tom Herman, you know, hires him as the defensive coordinator after the Alamo Bowl, I believe. But he actually came during the Red River showdown, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, and sat in on team meetings, coaches meetings. So he's he's you know used to this, and I think you know being able to focus. Sometimes you see good defensive coordinators or good coordinators in general go on to become head coaches, and that's just a huge responsibility. Maybe focusing back down the defense. This has been 
Texas's challenge during both the Charlie Strong and Tom Herman eras to keep that defense both healthy and then, you know, keeping them stopping the opposing offenses because so many of these Big 12 games turn to shootouts and it comes down to who has the better defense. Yeah, that's the truth. It, it, but it's it, it's it's an epidemic in college football. We've had just – look at the SEC. They've evolved a more passing game than in the old, let's line up and run your butt over, uh, out physical you. I mean, SEC still does that, but they, I never thought I'd see the day Nick Saban would spread you out on offense. But you you alluded to Ash, his background, and I and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I you know, I'm – I'll be going in my second season removed from being a covering sports full time. Mike Yurisich, which is his last name, is hard to pronounce, by the way. Yeah. Uh, if I remember right, Mike Gundy, when he was, I think after Dana Holgerson, I think it was Holgerson, when he left to go take the head job in West Virginia, I think uh, Gundy was. Searched around the country, wanted the best offensive mind, and I think Yurisich was at a Division two or three school. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the story. <laughs> well, uh, you know, he uh, it's been well documented the development that he's had because with some of these quarterbacks, uh, both Oklahoma State, Ohio State, and uh, you're right, he was at a at Shippensburg. That's it. That's it. I couldn't remember it. Yeah, he was at Shavensburg D2 school. So, uh, yeah, you're right on that. And, uh, you know, yeah, like I said, man, well documented what he's done with some of these quarterbacks. We know how good Ohio State's offense has been in recent years. We've seen it play out on several Big Ten games, Big 12 championship games. So uh, I think his work with with Sam Ellinger uh, and the quarterbacks and and then I think on the offense in general – because they have to replace some of these wide receivers. We know Jake Smith, Tariq Black will be some of those guys that step into those roles, Brennan Eagles. Uh, so it'll just be a matter of when they're in a tight game and it's a third yeah. and long situation, they need a first down, how comfortable are they with, with his calls and with the play? And you know, is everyone on the same page? Those will be some of the things to think about when you get into those late games that really uh, so, many, so many Texas games come down to the final few minutes. Kansas, Kansas State comes to mind. Oh. Ohio, Iowa State last year, Kansas State was a win. Iowa State a loss, but uh, yeah, so many of them come down to the final seconds. It's uh, it's kind of a, a trademark way, um, but I think Texas is going to pull away from some of these guys this year, but you know, when you go back, just to kind of give you an idea, just from the information that I know, and I may be a little off base, Mike Yurcich, I think he simplifies the offense to where, you know, it's it's about spots on the field, reading all everyone on the field is reading the defense in front of them, obviously get the play call from the sideline. Of course, Sam will be a tremendous piece of that, determining which play, but I think he simplifies his offense where it's you know, everyone's on the same page. They know their options, the different route trees. And, and But that was Mike Gundy all the time. Because when I covered Oklahoma State, that's what Mike Gundy had dating back to um, all his offensive coordinators he had there um, were very similar in that aspect. So the year after I left, he hired Urasich. You know, you know Holgerson's offense. It's, uh, 
up tempo, yep. and just quick, just quick moving. And so I think you're going to see a faster paced Texas offense. And they definitely and, have the speed to do that. Oh my gosh! Even without Duvernay. Yeah, yeah. It's the move, man. Oh, I tell you what, Jake Smith, uh, he track star in high school. Uh, I actually did talk with his coach and, and him uh, as they as he was heading on to the forty acres uh, two years ago. And man, that guy! It was told to me that he could have been an MLB draft pick. Uh, wow. He played lacrosse and led the team in scoring. Had not even ever picked up a lacrosse stick. Uh, started playing to get quicker. Uh, have better hand-eye coordination for his receiving, uh, and all of a sudden was leading the team in goals. Uh, obviously, the stats he put up in high school playing football, better than Christian Kirk, who now uh, is in the NFL, played with Texas yeah. A&M. So, I mean, in that guy, he, he's just an exciting player. He was the Horns punt returner last year, and uh, it's going to be guys like that that really Eurasic depends on uh, yeah. for that up-tempo offense. And it's, it's kind of – a bittersweet. I think he's he's going to miss the UTEP game, from what I hear. Has an yes. injury. Yep. Ham, hamstring. Yeah. Hamstring. He is going to. I talked to uh, Brian Davis with the American Statesman yesterday, and uh, you know, I asked him what you were just talking about. And he said he thinks that Jake is going to be the key in this offense and could be that you know leading receiver because that slot that he plays is so important. Just like Duvernay was yep. last year, just like the Shipleys were when they were here. I mean, it, it's it, it, he's going to play an integral part. And I wouldn't be surprised if he averages eighty to ninety yards a game in receiving. Yeah, I would. I mean, with the way Sam Ellinger can throw, too. I mean, they, Texas likes to take those downfield shots, uh, and certainly some of those will be going to Jake Smith because he has just the ability to get behind the defense. Uh, create havoc for opposing secondaries. So, speaking of some talented guys coming out of the high school level, I know you a couple of weeks ago interviewed Austin High quarterback uh, Charles Wright on the Stories Inside the Man Cave podcast. He is a Texas commit. And man, if Texas fans are looking for some good high school football to go watch and watch some future Longhorns, this is a guy to definitely go check out because. His running ability and his passing ability just really separated him. And Texas has so many good quarterbacks coming in. Yeah, it's, you know, you, you saw the kid from Kate. It's just you can tell it's a business, you know, major. It, it really is. Recruiting is. And it's so when the young man from Katie Taylor, who I thought the world of that quarterback, committed for a while, I think he transferred to Alabama, not transferred, decommitted and committed to Alabama, um, that opened up a spot. And and this is not a slide on Charles Wright at all. Um, committed, you know, Austin High quarterback. I've watched him since he was – they moved him up to varsity, uh, Mike Rosenthal at Austin High, as a freshman. And he was just – Rosenthal said he was intense and learning every practice – you know, most he said most fourteen-year-olds, which is true. They're they're wide-eyed and not sure what to think because you're playing at the highest level of high school, and that's a little young to be on a, on a varsity level. But yeah. I saw his first year um, as a sophomore, and I thought, "Wow, this kid's arm is 
lit up. And, and his decision-making is phenomenal. So he's committed to Iowa State. And then about a month ago, I believe, yeah, um, Texas offers him. And he literally, essentially committed on the spot. And But he grew up a significant, devoted Longhorn fan. Again, some things just work out for the right reasons. That was supposed to happen. And, you know, his family is uh, Longhorns. And you can see the pictures like uh, Sam and uh, Ewers from South Lake Carroll. They all had those little kid UT football uniforms. So did Charles Wright. And don't think for a second that Charles is going to come in here and be content with being a backup his entire career. That kid's going to compete. Yeah. Well, and that's the same. Same could be said for Ben Ballard, who Austin High native, very similar story to Charles Wright. Grew up going to UT football games and played at Hyde Park. Uh, you oh, know, man. he had to be patient. And right now he, he's uh, about the third or fourth string quarterback. But, you know, talking with, with his head coach, Chuck Pearson, uh, over at Hyde Park, man, to be a guy, he had some offers to go play at smaller schools, smaller D1s, where he probably could have been playing by now. Um, but he decided to take the road less travel to go to Texas, and, uh, man, he's ready to compete even, you know, for every rep he gets in practice. I love it. I love stories like that. I love, you know, the work story about the work ethic and against all odds type situation. Why not take a challenge? Yeah. Why not? Oh, just, uh, you know, just – yeah, I respect that. And then, you know, Coach Peterson, that's one guy everyone needs to meet. At High yeah. Park. Now, that guy's a fun American right there. Oh, exactly. I mean, <laughs> talking with him the other day, uh, you know, we, we had an interview with him. And, man, he, he coached at Air Force, North Texas. I mean, you think about the, the ability that he has to know. You know, he was even talking about how several of his guys who have gone to play at the college level – you know, he keeps checking in with them, encouraging them, and he knows oh. what the college coaches are looking for. So that just helps, you know, with some of these these high school players. I mean, you don't coach at Air Force or North Texas. I mean, two very solid programs without being a extremely good coach, good offensive mind. Uh, ran the flex bone offense over at yeah. Air Force, which those run first offenses. Liberty Hill runs the slot T. Uh, Hayes does as well. Man, those are just art. I mean, it's so hard to run those kinds of offenses. And, you know, as we mentioned earlier on, a lot of programs are going more the spread offenses, but those run-first offenses are still awesome to watch. What's fun, if I challenge anyone listening who – I get it. The spread offense, it's it's exciting. It gets people into it because you can – anything can happen. But I challenge you to watch those old 1960, late 60s Texas teams, the 70s and 80s, uh, OU running the wishbone. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Oh. Look at Army and Navy today. Yeah, today, yeah. But, but what is so fun, watching those Oklahoma teams under Barry Switzer run. Oh, my gosh. They, I, I love I've, – I've been in love with the wishbone. Since 1984, and you watch that. You watch the wishbone. You watch, you know, when Texas used to run their their style of offense with Earl Campbell. Uh, I mean, yeah. you, you think about when Texas and OU used to clash, and you had those two great running offenses, great running backs. 
man, it was just a back and forth bell for 60 minutes. Oh, it was physical too. I mean, there was, there were, there were things done in those games where if you did that today, half your team would be thrown out of the yeah. game for targeting yeah. or uh, something like that. Cause it was, it was, I mean, the game's physical now, but back then you got away with more. Yeah. I mean, it was constant pounding every because on the when you play when you play defense against an option based offense, everyone has an assignment. Everyone, and you're usually going to have contact every play for everybody. Usually, yeah. oh yeah, I mean it, it was so physical. You think about that time they didn't have kind of you know back in the you know seventies eighties uh, targeting that they have now, and, and those kinds of things. So obviously the game's gotten safer. Uh, but you know, like you said, you know, it's still got it's gotten a little bit less physical. As teams have gone more to passing offenses, focusing more on uh, quick, high tempo offenses instead of the just powered up the middle uh, kind of kind of style of attack. Right. That's. But he, I have noticed Tom Herman type of those teams. They'll they'll grind you out. They'll try. Yeah. You know, they'll try to take time off the clock and. You know, I, I will be curious to see what your this offense really looks like at Texas. We'll, we'll, it, you're good. I mean, it's uh, it's just I think he'll have complete autonomy. I, th- I mean, Tom will probably have some input, but I think you're going to see for the first time in a long time the, the OC is going to have complete autonomy. Yeah, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna do extremely. Well, with that, I mean, we know, like I said, the kind of offenses is built at Oklahoma State and Ohio State. Man, if he does something like that at Texas, I think we're going to see a huge change. Uh, Texas is already really good on offense. Sam Ellinger leading the way, but I think we're going to see dramatic improvement. We'll see that uh, kind of unveiled on Saturday night. I think first chance to see that. We may only see them playing like that for a quarter or two, but – and we'll get to see what they get a little glimpse before Big 12 play starts. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. That's that's the whole thing about this, the, the mystery of it all, the unknown, and to really truly see how it all comes about, you know, just how it's all put together. And, and this, you, you really do hope for all these teams that no one has any COVID cases, so you yeah. don't have a chance to have overlapping uh, players after having to quarantine or sit out. You know, it's uh, – yeah. Let's just get this season started and go and hope the best for everybody. And You don't want to see the, some of the best players, or any player for that matter, have to sit out for yeah. a while. Yeah, you want to – yeah, let's get this behind us. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Three Big 12 games already postponed due to COVID. TCU, Oklahoma State, um, and the third was – Baylor? Baylor, correct. Yeah, Baylor, which that was Louisiana Tech, which makes sense. 38 players due to Hurricane Laura uh, displaced. They had to go different places, and when they came back, uh, 38 yeah, tested positive. So we're open. I'm sure those games will – not sure what they'll do because they're non-conference games, but uh, we'll, hopefully once Big 12 play starts, we'll be able to just go. Keep it in-house. Keep it in the region. You know, it's uh, – you know, I have to say – and. I really, you know, I, I like Texas to win the conference, but I think Oklahoma State, it may be the best team in Oklahoma this year. Yeah. Well, they've been on the verge of it for several years, and uh, Chuba Hubbard 
man, that guy can run. And then you got, got Tylen Wallace, receiver, Spencer Sanders back at quarterback, and the offense will be great. Those up tempo offenses, man. I like Oklahoma. Everyone's everyone's kind of uh, leaning towards Oklahoma as far as the battle for for Oklahoma this year, but. I don't know. Oklahoma's had a had a very good quarterback the past few years, but Spencer Rattler hasn't played, and so that's going to be the the big variable. Same thing goes for Alabama, but saw Mac yeah. Jones play uh, in the spot of for Tua Tagovailoa last year against Michigan. I believe it was in the Citrus Bowl, and he was lights out. So I don't think Alabama will have too much trouble. Yeah, it's uh, you know, Spencer Rattler, you. Top player in the country, I think, two years ago in high school. Uh, he was on that ESPN U show. Yeah. I forgot what it's called. Uh, but the kids, he's been exposed. I think he had 14 snaps last year. Uh, tremendous talent. But to already list him as a Heisman Trophy candidate. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think he's going to have that type of year. I think. By the end of the year, he'll become a good quarterback. But I, I think right now, you if you're a defensive coordinator or head coach, you're going after him. And you're going to try to test his will and his intestinal fortitude, so to speak, and get after him because they got to remember he's, he's new. I mean, he's green. But my first year when I was in Oklahoma City, there was a guy named Sam Bradford, his first game. And I kept thinking – they had a three-guy run. They were really trying to earn that spot. And it literally was not decided until a week or two before the season opener. And they named Bradford. None of us thought, wait a minute, this guy's a redshirt freshman. And look what he did. Yep. You know, he wasn't a running style quarterback like Rattler. But there's a lot of unknowns there. So many yeah. unknowns. But I, I don't think Oklahoma – I think Oklahoma's string of winning – Big 12 championships consecutively ends this year at five. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. I think we're going to see Texas, Oklahoma State maybe uh, take a charge. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. A lot will be decided uh, this Saturday. Oh, I'm excited, buddy. I, I can't wait. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to run through a wall right now <laughs> just for the sake of college football. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, man, Sean, I think uh, – you know, you guys have your episode, uh, latest episode dropping tomorrow, I believe, right? Brian Davis came on. Correct. Correct. Uh, Big Mike Murphy from Last Stand Hats uh, was able to – my two co-hosts, Mike Murphy and then Maurice Harris, who's Coach Mo, Coach Mo's Elite Fitness off of Far West. Uh, it's been kind of hectic recently because of business and our schedules. So uh, I was solo the previous two and then – Mike actually was able to join me uh, for the episode 34. Uh, we talk all things Longhorn, Big 12 football, and we have a interview with Brian Davis from the Statesman. And then uh, we close things out in the second final segment with some interesting conversations about uh, uh, some unique things about a certain NFL receiver and the fact that Joe Burrow, as a rookie, was named a captain. And that, yeah, Texas fans, make sure to go check this this out. Follow them on Twitter, um, and I'm sure they're on all things 
where podcasts are. I know they're on Spotify. <laughs> where, where the other million of them are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no kidding. And, uh, yeah, they'll definitely keep you up to date, too, uh, previewing Texas this season like we just did today. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think everyone's excited for college football to start. No, I appreciate the love, man. And, Riley, you, anyone, if you're just tuning in, keep following Riley. This guy is just getting scratching the surface, man. This is it's, it's been an honor to be on your your podcast. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, Horns Illustrated certainly appreciates that as well. Your takes, your insight—it's uh, all been great, and hopefully, giving the Longhorn fans a little bit of a, a preview into Saturday's matchup. Yeah, it's exactly, man. It's uh, it's going to be a great weekend, and uh, let's all stay healthy and hope for this rain to stop, and let's just get excited. Just that simple fact that college football. Is here. I know we won't have tailgating, but there are other ways to work around that. Certainly is, and uh, at least we'll have it, right? At least we'll be able to yeah. be able to see it live, not watch your replays from six years ago. So uh, we'll, we'll get to <laughs> see it. twenty years ago, or twenty years ago. I don't know. After six and a half months, they've run through pretty much every game played on ESPN. That's a hey. Some of us are. Uh, that truly devoted, and I can relate, and I understand why. Yeah, man, we've been we've been waiting for this uh, to start. We got a little bit of a taste of it last week, and finally, Texas is back. Uh, not sure, not sure uh, what the season will look like, but we know that Texas is back. College football is back, and uh, it's all it's all coming full circle now. Uh, it's the best time of year, and it's uh, it, it really is. And so it, it brings everyone together, and we all need something positive to look forward to. And I know it said a lot, but it's truly a sense of normalcy. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Well, Texas fans, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this is episode ten of the Horns Dugout. Have a great day. Hook them. <laughs>